a second. Hey, this is Roberto. You are back with the Steambox Warriors from Central Falls. Warriors from Central Falls, please say what's up to the world. It is my genuine pleasure to bring you Joyful Rebellion 2022, uh, episode three. And with us today, as always, I'm always trying to bring in a young black or brown specialist, somebody uh, who looks like us from our hood. We've got Talia Gonzalez. Uh, she is related to me. Talia, hi. Hi. Welcome. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy that you're joining us. Um, so Talia and I have been uh, getting to know each other better, even though she's my cousin. Uh, we've just never really crossed paths often enough. And of course, it's death that brings us together. Uh, I don't know if you're doing better, but I'm doing worse. I've been editing this video about the loss of our grandmother. Uh, and putting in video of her actually talking, watching my grandmother alive again, absolutely made me just ball, just completely like ugly cry, you know? Um, how have you been doing? Um, it's definitely up and down. Um, like the same kind of thing sometimes. I'll just be going through my phone and I'll see a picture of her and it'll just like bring it all back. And then there's times too where I think we did talk about it in the video too, where like, you go to like call her or something or like you think about her and you forget for a second that she's not hearing you. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's one that's definitely hard to deal with. I'm lucky and an asshole. And uh, I've never experienced loss before because I don't care about people enough. So there's like, this is the first time I'm mid age. And this is the first time that I've experienced a loss of somebody that I actually care about. Uh, so lucky me and also asshole me uh, to not care enough about other people. Um, I, I know that a lot of you are younger. I know that a lot of you haven't experienced loss. But uh, before I move on to something that Keith said last week, our resident genius, before I move on to something that Keith said last week, uh, I just wanted to open the floor and um, I wanted to give space to anybody else who's experienced loss. And I'm wondering how, how we deal with loss. And I know many of you haven't. Go ahead. Um, so for me, it was during the, during the pandemic, like at the beginning, um, my grandma passed and my grandpa passed. To so support. Yeah, so it was pretty close together. So was, I say that's definitely like the hardest time for me, but I, I feel like it ended up, like I was fine, like I was fine about it because like they went in like, I feel like a peaceful way, like, and we were all on good terms and also, I had like my friends to talk to and music really helped me too. So those that's how you that's how you dealt with it yeah. with talking to your friends. Music helped. Uh so that means for you too, right? Do I do I have yeah. that right? We have this, yeah, because we're brothers, we have the same grandparents. Uh one passed away through to something on her head, like uh she hurt her head and yeah. kept on going. She died peacefully. My mom was holding her hand when she passed, so uh, <laughs> my mom was happy about that. And then my grandpa, who was the pastor, he was at my grandma's funeral and he was talking about her, like he was doing the uh, eulogy. And then two months later, that was the last time I saw him, he died too. Uh, dude, I don't know why he died. I think it was a stroke. Yeah, yeah, it was a stroke. Uh, we went to the hospital after. Was it the same side of the family, grandpa and no. grandmother? Separate sides. So uh, your mom's mom and dad's dad. Mom's mom and dad's dad. Wow. And it was. Like for me, coping, uh, 
when I went to my grandmother's funeral, my mom didn't even want to go inside because she didn't want to see the open casket. So I was basically there. Uh, you were in with dad, right? I remember. Uh, I, so at first it was just me. I was the only one who went in. They rest stood in the car because mm. I, I wanted to be there. And I thought I would be okay. But I, then I started crying. Yeah. Uh, next to my family, people went to console me because I was crying bad. I, my, I didn't even speak the same language as my grandmother. Right, we she spoke Spanish. I only spoke English, so yep. it was a language barrier. But I still loved her because she was still my grandma. Yeah. Then when we had my grandpa's funeral, uh, I didn't cry because I was already used to it for some reason. That was my first loss that I really had because I had family members die, but I wasn't really close to them. Uh, so when I went to my grandpa's funeral, it was far away. It was like a two-hour drive or one-hour drive, and he got poured into the um, ocean like his ashes scattered. Yeah. Uh, not his body they didn't just drop his <laughs> his dead body off the bridge that we was it was really stormy and rainy the umbrellas broke when we was out there yeah and uh it, i was there but i was doing the consoling instead of the one crying this time because there was little kids there on my grandpa's side and they were the ones crying i had to help them too so i i had to be showing the butt after the funeral for my grandma i i haven't cried like once since yeah. then I've just been over it. Yeah. Uh, nothing really helped me. I just, like I said last week uh, for the consoling, I just said, kept it to myself, like internalized it. So if I see a picture of my grandma, I'm not going to get bothered, but it's still like, still there. So like, I still feel sad. You know, what's interesting is I've had the exact opposite struggle where my whole life, I just don't, I, I just, it's, I find it really hard to care. And I feel like I should care. When her husband, when my grandmother's husband died, I didn't care. Uh, you know, to me, he was a bum. He was a, a alcoholic, uh, drug abusing bum. Uh, and that's the person like I got to meet him. And that's the only person I knew or remembered. And I gave I honestly gave no shits. Uh, but I, that almost at a young age set a precedent. I almost I almost didn't care for so many people, so many it people, so same, many people. But like you said, your grandma was close to you. Mine was my grandma was the first person that died that I actually did care about. And it was 2020. I was 14. I'm 16 now. And I, I, it surprised me that I didn't cry for my grandpa's. Like, I thought something was wrong with me, too. Yeah. Because at my grandpa's, I was just there. But the reaction's been the opposite. Because yeah. since she's died, now I can't stop crying. Right? Like, I'm crying all the time. All the time. Uh, and, and one of the things that made me cry was when Dahlia came out, when we spread her ashes. Uh, Dahlia was late. She arrived like a rock star. Everybody's there in the park. And then she comes out. And she's like, her hair is blowing in the wind. And she comes up. Uh, and then uh, she had the most beautiful words and, and her uncle, you know, read a poem and, and there's all these people who did all these things. But um, since I know all of them better than I know my own cousin, Dahlia, I, I got to experience my grandmother with all of these people. So I saw it from the same angle that they did. I didn't see it from the same angle that you did. So when you spoke, it was like new stuff. It was, it was new stuff for me. And that really, that's what made me cry that whole day, that whole event. I was, I was holding it together until you showed up. Um, ha have you been dealing with it? Okay. I know we talked about it briefly, but. Yeah, no, I've definitely been dealing with it. Um, pretty good. I just, she really is like me. Angel de la Guarda. She's my guardian angel. Um, so ever since she's passed, I've just been trying to really like, be the person that she would want me to be like be the person that she saw me as yeah um and i think that helps me because it makes me feel closer to her 
you know? Yeah. Even if she's not here, I know that I could do that to feel closer to her. I don't know you well enough to make the statement complete. And that's shame on me for that. But um, but what I think you guys should know when you're talking to to two people in the room, some of you might consider me a mentor. Uh, I, I know I certainly try to work in, with, with uh, Desiree and, and others of you in that capacity. Uh, and, and more, I hope, next year. Um, but that adult that you guys work with doesn't have all the answers and sometimes is as effed up as you feel like you are. Um, and and so, so I struggle. We struggle with life, right? Like, we don't have all the answers. We struggle with life. Um, what has been your biggest coping mechanism? Um... We talked last week about coping mechanisms, by the way, I should preface it by saying that we, we weren't judging. We talked about how some people uh, use drugs. Some people um, enter uh, like like uh, just passive, aggressive sexual relationships just to cope. We talked about how some people use humor. Some people listen to music. Some people uh, talk to their friends. And we we had like a really big discussion. Uh, how, how have you been coping? Um. I mean, I feel like everybody has healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms. I definitely have both um, unhealthy ones. I, I punch a lot of stuff. I get angry. I scream. That's like usually my like unhealthy outlet. But for healthy stuff, I like to like the best thing for me is just keeping my mind busy, like doing something, being active, not like sitting with my thoughts, because that's when everything just like spirals. Yeah, we talked about that very specifically too last week. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, I want to actually follow up on that question in a minute. Jordan, uh, you you also experienced loss? Yeah. So much louder, please. Uh, damn, I don't like talking more about this. Well, I lost all of my grandparents. In all of them. Is that four? Four. So they all died like one year apart from each other. Well. Not in that like consecutive sense, but for instance, my grandfather on my mom's side, um, he died a long time ago. I was a kid. Same with my, my dad's mother. And then recently, like not recently, like two or three years ago, months after I came back from Guatemala from my trip, my grandma and my grandfather, each from their respective sides died. And it was the worst pain I felt because I've known them for so long. And uh, I know I know this is hard and I feel like an asshole even asking you this, but um, if you could share a little louder, but we're, we're also here too. No, yeah, don't worry about it. I don't know. It's just when I talk about these things, I just get lower. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the vulnerability. It's not that pain, not the pain of losing them specifically, although it hurt like hell. It wasn't that. It was the sight of seeing my own parents cry. My dad, who was a pillar of strength to me, who has reinforced my life and made me into a man by training me, teaching me all the ways of how to be myself. Seeing that man break, that's what broke me. And I cry about it. I would always cry about seeing my parents cry. I cried about how the fact that those two people that I got to know for so long died after they saw me grow up. 
I'm just happy that they did see me grow up unlike the other two. I promised I would see them when they died before I got the chance. You're still, years later, still emotional about it, as am I. Um, so how how do you deal with it when when you think about those things? Well, when my parents started like breaking down about it, I didn't show anything. I felt like terrible because when my parents were crying, my job that I put myself to was making sure that I could be that strength to comfort my parents. Basically, I did this whole terrible thing, which I know I shouldn't be saying to myself. I was saying, if you're going to help your parents, how about you try not being a disgrace for once and help them? Don't cry for them. Don't cry for this. Help them with it. Be the son that they wanted you to be. Be that man that you're supposed to be. Don't cry. Not now. Cry later after they're done with it. Just hold it in, shut it out, never feel it. That's how it is. I've been raised by myself. My parents, obviously, they, of course, they say not to cry. Man, this doesn't cry. So I learned from that. If you had a sister, if you had a twin sister, would it be okay for her to cry? If she, if she was crying, I would totally allow it. I would comfort her. I would go through all that. I wouldn't cry, though. Just an interesting, it's just an interesting uh, challenge that you have for yourself. And I feel like uh, in Central Falls, I feel like many of the cultures in Central Falls, and I feel like the same, the same thing holds true for my culture. It, it feels like we have a challenge and a burden to not cry. And, and that expectation is on us. But if, but if I had a sister my age, uh, I, I wouldn't have the same challenge or expectation for her. And I wonder, you know, I wonder if that's, if that adds to the stress that you carry, not being able to let out your emotions. That's probably one of the terrible things about me. I always hold in my emotions. I never let it free. I just bottle it up until it bursts for some reason. I never do it in front of people because I feel that's just a terrible thing to do. I don't want to show it to anyone. I just want to hide it away and make sure no one needs to care about me. What is it? What is it? If you don't mind me asking, what does it look like when it bursts? I just cry. I cry. That's basically it. I usually, usually try and have it happen during the night, so I can just silently cry, no one to be there. In your work, do you experience that a lot? That um, that men uh, struggle with emotions in different ways than women do. Yes. Um, so where I work is all boys. And you can definitely see that, especially because they're surrounded by other boys. So not only do they not want to cry in front of people, they especially don't want to cry in front of other boys their age. So you can definitely see like a lot of internal struggle where they want to cry. They want to feel some type of way. But because of the environment that they're in, they feel like they can't express that because it'll make them look weak to other people. And one of the things I've like kind of started saying to them, uh, some of them, is that, you know, the world doesn't give you a trophy for suffering. You know, it doesn't. Like, so even if other people might feel some type of way about 
you getting help for yourself, it's not like they're rewarding you for being so tough and so strong by not showing your emotions. So it doesn't matter what they say, you know, like work on yourself because at the end of the day, people are always going to have something to say no matter what. Um, but yeah, I definitely see that stigma a lot um, where I work. We are so carefully crafted every day. We, we do worry about what other people think when we get dressed for school uh, the music that we listen to, uh, a lot of times, some of us, and certainly sugar high person in this room, uh, lets their freak flag fly when it comes to their music. Uh, you know what I mean? And where's that like a badge of honor, but other people like would hide stuff like that and suppress it a little bit more. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to lose time, but I do want to get to, to all of it. Does, does anybody else want to share? about loss go ahead okay so this was like what six years ago now i believe this is what caused like as i don't know if you know but i have short-term memory loss fully diagnosed and this is what caused it so for nine years of my life i wasn't raised by my parents that much they only came like maybe once or twice a month if I was lucky because their jobs just involved them traveling a lot. My dad was a pilot. My mom was an accountant that was wanted around the world. Like she was, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. I just, so I was raised by a maid that I believe her name was Matilda who I can't even speak about her because I don't remember her. Only thing I remember from her is her first name and her funeral. So in this funeral, I was invited because, as I said, she was my one mother's figure until she died. She at least didn't die when she was working for us. She died afterwards with her family, which I at least felt happy about. But like in this funeral, that even, not even my parents could make it. I was the only one there for my family. My, my brothers were already starting to live their own lives, not wanting to worry about a simple person. And I just, in this funeral, only thing I remember is, and, and I was like given weird looks because I was a nine-year-old child that just wasn't crying in front of their only motherly figure. And I remember this moment because it was the moment where I just said to myself, I didn't care. And what I believe to be her son, because it was a, a young man, he just asked me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? And like, we had a full blown conversation and that conversation, I don't know what happened, but I completely forgot about Matilda. I forgot her face, I forgot her name. I forgot everything she did about me, with me. I forgot everything. And so your short-term memory loss wasn't a hit on the head or anything like that. It was a psychological event that happened in your life. Yeah, it was some heavy trauma. So and, the, just to be clear, I'm sorry, to be clear, it was the loss of this mother figure. And that's what we're talking about to us. And that was what I learned about my cousin is that this is a mother figure to us. This was the person who raised us in many ways 
Um, so the person who raised you in many ways, that person passes and then explain, can you explain the, the short-term memory loss and then current so, effects? It's like, um, my, at least what my doctor or whatever told me is that every time you go through a very like sentimental emotion, if you don't deal about, do anything about it, your brain will try to work itself out. Mine did it by forgetting. That's why when I meet a new person, when I go to a new place, I never take pictures. I've told this to my whole friend group. I never take pictures of anything, of anyone. I hate taking pictures because I will remember. And I hate remembering. You hate remembering. Can you tell me a little bit about the short-term memory loss? What's that like? I mean, let's see. What happens? I'll uh like I've forgotten the podcast we had two weeks ago. If you ask me, I could not tell you what we talked about. I have no idea. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that's the cause and effect. That's the loss that you experienced, and that's how it has affected you. Um, how do you how do you deal with that moving forward? What do you and do you have any tricks? I don't. I just let it away at me. 15? 15 years old, not young enough, not not old enough to have developed those tricks, but still working on them. That's why, and another thing is, I hate showing emotions about it. Like uh, last week's podcast, I just remember it because uh, it was the closest time that I actually came to crying in this podcast. Because I remember you asked us something about the first words that we heard. And after you asked me that, I just couldn't stop thinking about the words. <clears throat> and it was actually the closest time I got to crying in this podcast. That's why I left so early because I did not want to cry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I learned a lot and I actually am going to go study a lot because I'm super interested in that. And, and I want to know how we can work together moving forward and how we can help. Did you have anything that you wanted to add? So my uncle died and I recently moved here and we was like, I moved here in like March. Um, moving here was kind of difficult because like it's so far away from where I live. So there was no way you could like rent a moving truck. So we had. You're my close homie. I, of course, know where you came from. But for our audience at home, where where did you move from and where did you move to? Um, so I moved from North Carolina and I moved to Rhode Island, Central Falls. So moving here, we had to like run a truck that was big enough to like three trips basically. And I think it was our third trip that we settled in and we are we get this call. My uncle had cancer. And the doctor was like, oh, we can fix it. It's fine, you know. The words they was using, I was like, how can you fix cancer? You know, like that's not. So we get this call that he failed and boom, he just died. And it was just like, okay. So now we just settled in here and we're thinking everything is fine. But now we have to go back to North Carolina for a funeral. So I was, I was still is, and I was 15. You know, I was 14, now 15. And it was just like, wow. Like I felt nothing. And I was so close to him, but I felt nothing. And it was just like, you know, wow. So like you died. I'm not crying about it. Like, why? So I feel like we all have that one death or that one event that happened in our life where it's just like, you can't really do anything about it. You can't say too much about it. It's just like, it changes you forever. And it's just like, now you're this way because of death. 
So when like I do certain things or like people ask me certain things, I don't know what to say to it because they like, oh, why do you do this? Or why don't you do that? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't feel like talking about it or whatever. So I feel like it's that one point that just breaks you and you're not willing to do it. So like me, um, I noticed he was saying something about how he don't cry. He don't like to. Me, I don't either. So um, I have that set for myself that I don't cry. I try not to. So I feel like, yeah. And and we we made it, we talked about gender specifics and how like men feel like uh, they shouldn't cry. And now just to be clear, um, we have one of our students who is an amazing uh, freshman at CF High, I think student body president or something like that. Yeah, is that right? Student body president. Uh, but identifying as a girl and not crying uh, and feeling like they don't want to cry. Um, thank you for sharing. What was it like about your uncle? Did you have a, was it, you, I know you, I know you talked about your feelings towards your uncle, but did you have to process it in any way? Like from not crying that what, what did you not crying is what you didn't do. What did you do? I guess I got used to it. Like there have been so many deaths in my family, like my grandparents, um, they're not here. I have cousins and aunts and everything that's not here. So I feel like a way that I dealt with it was, uh, to be honest, I don't know. I was surprised with myself that I felt nothing. Cause like he was the life of the party. That's where I get my, that part of me from. So I was like, I feel nothing. Like, I don't know how I dealt with it or whatever, but I didn't want to be bothered. I wanted to be by myself. And all that stuff. So, thank you, um, thank you, everybody. Uh, we shared a lot. Uh, I have two follow-up questions, and then I want to wrap up with Talia. Um, somebody, somebody brought up earlier. I think it was Jordan, uh, and and I rem I remember. I like when when I remember what Jordan said, and I remembered that moment that that I had when uh, I saw my father like messed up. My father usually shows no emotions. My father does the weird hug where he doesn't even hug you. He just kind of leans in and then puts an arm kind of like, I guess we're doing this kind of thing, right? Uh, I, I never saw any emotion from my dad. And my mom uh, was usually anger and, and other stuff. Uh, my, my natural mother, I didn't, I didn't used to see a lot of emotion, certainly not like uh, the way that she processed sadness. So to see your parents crying, I understand what Jordan was saying. It can F you up. Does anybody, did anybody have that moment where they saw like one of their heroes or parents crying and it, it affected them? Go ahead. Um, I know for me personally, for me, I haven't had people that died like really close to my life, but I have had like aunts who died. And I think my mom, she was just so heartbroken when one of my aunts died recently. But I know that my grandfather he's very ill he has alzheimer's it's um it's developed i think to stage four now and he's um i feel like at this point i don't like calling him in the sense that i hate talking to him now because i know i don't have much time with him anymore like he doesn't remember me or anyone he's very ill like he can barely walk most of the time he just stays home he's visiting right now for my graduation and i just i think for like four hours alone I just sat on the couch watching Casa Cerrado with him because I couldn't do anything else but I know like every time I'm with him my mom is like she watches what she says she's careful because once I get off the phone with him we're both like ready to cry 
because he can't remember us. And she cries. She's so emotional about it. Like me especially. But her, she's, it's because it's the man who raised her. So for her, she's like, we need to call him because he probably won't be here in five years. He probably won't, won't even be here tomorrow. That's how close he is. So it's always emotional for us to talk about my grandparents because they're so old and they are just not doing okay. That is exactly what I'm talking about. And and even like I I was thinking about my dad because Jordan made an example about dad. But um, when I saw grandma, because uh, grandma was always with it. Grandma was still at the last minute sending my girlfriend recipes and stuff like that. So like, like, this is how, this is how my grandson likes his food. Like make it like this in secret tips. Uh, but I went to visit her one time and uh, she said that your grandfather, Jose, she said that Jose was in the closet and, uh, and she didn't mean like, you know, he had a sexual identity coming of age or anything like that. She meant he was literally in the closet. And I'm looking at the closet and I'm like, well, why would my uncle, why would my uncle be in the closet? My uncle's not in the closet. I don't even need to check the closet to know that. But just to, you know, just to check all the boxes, I go and check the closet. My uncle's not in the closet. This is my grandmother who's always been the picture of my, my grandmother made my sanity. Have you ever heard me be like wildly inappropriate with jokes and just all the time? You've seen that. Uh that was specifically from my grandmother. As my family got together and described my grandmother, it, they were specifically describing me when they were talking about the off-base sense of humor and stuff like that. Uh, my grandmother's not playing. This is somebody who's always been the smartest person in the room is now saying that my uncle's in the closet and talking to other people in other parts of the room. That effed me up so bad because at that moment I was like, oh, this, this is not going well. This is, this is, this is taking a turn really fast. So uh, we knew it. I'm going to ask you the same question in a second, but how do you coach yourself knowing that somebody you're close to is, has limited time? We, every, we all have limited time, but like imminent limited time. I think it's hard because with some people, they die instantly versus we have to see our, our loved ones, especially the ones who raise our parents and us, we see them slowly but surely getting to that point. And it's so hard. I think for me, I've struggled so much, especially because the way I cope is that I don't call him. And it sucks. You feel that guilt because I know when he dies, I'm going to be like, I should have called him more. I should have been there. But me in the present, I'm like, I can't do it. I said the same thing. I said the same exact thing. I know, I know me. I know that when he dies, when my grandparents die, I'm going to cry. I'm going to be like, I should have called them. I should have done this. But when I'm on the phone, I can't help it. I feel ready to cry. Even when I just greeted him yesterday, he didn't know why I was there. He's here at my graduation on honors day. He was like, what are you, what am I doing here? Who are you? And that broke my heart because he was there for me and he forgot. So for me, it's like I have such a hard time coping because I'm currently coping with it. Yeah. And it's even worse when he's here because I can't ignore him when he's right in front of me. I can't, I can, I call him once a week. And that for me is already hard enough to see him every day, not remembering me, having that look in his eye, like, I don't know who you are. That hurts me. I can't even imagine how bad it hurts my mom because that's who raised her. That's who, those, my grandparents are the one who made her who she is. Of course, this is selfish, but would it be easier if a loved one 
that has a long-term illness, instead of six months, would it be easier if it was just now? Would it be easier in your case if it if it just happened? We think that uh, it's so selfish. It is a selfish question. I, selfish I, I understand that. No, no, no. It's selfish because I want him to stay with me. I want him. But at the same time, you have to understand that he is suffering. He gets upset. He is upset that he forgets because he knows he's forgetting things as well. It's not like he's decapitated. It's not like he's like disabled. <laughs> he knows he's forgetting. And when he realizes it, it frustrates him. It gets him upset. So I understand it's selfish because I want him to stay with me. I want him to be in my life. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want you to suffer anymore. I don't want to know that you're like in pain or feeling this way because I want to be selfish. So it's like, I'm torn because I want to tell him it's fine, whatever. But at the same time, I want him near me. I felt the same things. And I, I bet you might've too. I had a moment where I knew that she wanted to, she just wanted to go. Not in that moment. I knew that she was done with, she was done and ready to go. And it was, and at that moment, and I looked around at the rest of the family and I would say, I hope I'm not calling anybody out, but I would say your mom, your aunt, uh, and, and probably my grandfather and your grand, my dad and your grandfather, uh, they weren't ready. And I felt like, I felt like we were keeping her here against her will and in some ways torturing her. Um, did you see that? How did that, how did you feel? No, I definitely, um, I definitely felt that because she's, she's been ready, you know, her whole life. She was ready. She was prepared for death. I don't know why it did not scare her. She would tell me every night before I went to bed that she was going to die. And that was that. And, um, so yeah, she was always, I think, ready. Um, and I think part of what especially made me feel like she was kind of holding on for us with like kind of the visions you said she was having she had a lot of me marissa and my mom specifically like the three of us and we were like wreaking havoc in her visions i think i jumped out of a window oh um, shit yeah like it was like i think i heard that story i, I thought was, you did yeah there was like a goat in one of them or something too i don't know i don't know but we were terrorizing her in her visions and i think part of that was because she was worried for us um, and even like subconsciously almost, I think she was scared to let go for us, not for herself. Um, and I think that the best thing that I can do now is just try to make sure that I'm okay so that she can be at peace, you know? I do know. Because that was another thing the family agreed on. She's always been ready to go. She's here for us now. In the same way that even though she's now passed, you call her your what? I remember my buddy. I uh, earlier she guardian said angel. my guardian angel. Her, oh yeah. Early, good catch. Good catch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna throw it back to you for what you just said in just a second. The advice that you're giving yourself. I'm wondering what advice you have for us the people in this room and our audience at home. So I'm going to come back to you and ask you that question in just one second. But uh, is anybody else uh, have anything that they want to share uh, before we wrap up this podcast? Go ahead. Um, on the whole like death thing, it was weird for me because I like, I've been to like two funerals. One was with my uh, uncle because he had brain cancer and, you know, cancer is like a, like a, 
generational thing in my family so like sooner or later i'm gonna get it because i know that because my grandmother had it like just a few months ago so um and same with my like great grandmother when they died i was more of like confused because i was like all right well they're dead and like i'm next and that's what i always thought of all right well they're dying they're dead i'm going to be next because it was always more of a thing of I didn't want to feel like a jerk because I wasn't crying at the funeral, but like, I didn't want people to think that, oh, well, it, it was weird because there was like a bunch of my cousins and stuff, they were crying and I was the only one that wasn't really crying for it. And I feel like I should have cried for it, but like, I feel wrong because I didn't. And And not even because of toxic masculinity. No, it was just straight up because everyone else was crying and I didn't. Now I just look like the jerk that just didn't give a crap that they died. And that's what stuck with me because I'm like, damn, you know, now anytime like something happens, like if, oh, my grandmother dies next or something like that, what am I going to not cry? Because I just thought it was a thing that's all right. Because like my uncle, I didn't know him that much. But from what I hear, I used to go over his house when I was younger. But my great grandmother I knew her a lot and I didn't cry during that. So I I always assumed it was like, if say, if my grand regular grandmother dies or if my mom dies, how would I feel? But I was like always confused about it because I always thought of, all right, well, they're dead. So then I'm going to die next. It was just that type of thing. Um, I, I just want to cover the bases. Uh, and and it sounds like you covered it, but but in what ways in what ways do you cope with death? I haven't said I, I it's I don't really because like like i said it just doesn't affect me as much as i feel like it should remember i said that uh deaths hadn't bothered me until this one uh and and in the way that other people had spoke to i feel like some of them i simply didn't process and that's why i never needed to cope them because it's almost like they didn't happen to me i compartmentalize them and put them away and i wonder sometimes if uh somebody like also by the way second thing uh you described yourself in a way that to our audience might make you seem or the way that the way that it, you felt like other people had perceived you in those moments might make you seem cold. And I want the audience to know that uh, that that I love when Catherine Rickert said you have to meet this kid from Central Falls because she knew and I knew that you are the warmest. You are the warmest uh, and always there and always uh, making everybody uh, have a good time and and laugh and enjoy themselves and you're just a pleasure to be around so and that's not the description of a cold person fyi um brandon uh sorry for calling you out and i normally don't do this and and you don't have to share anything i'm not going to ask you to share anything uh there's a lot of us who haven't even experienced any any kind of death but brandon i i saw a different energy from you during this podcast even though you hadn't said anything than i usually see and a vulnerability that you probably don't even want to speak to and you don't have to, but I'm just wondering what's going on in your head over there because it seemed like a moment ago, it seemed like some of this stuff was resonating with you. Okay. Uh, I, but thank you, which was interesting because even non-verbally, even non-verbally, uh, you participated in this podcast more than you did some of our other podcasts, which is wild to me. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Thank you everybody uh, for your vulnerability in this podcast. Uh, the world should know that we've got Dalia Gonzalez in this room. She's a very young uh, counseling, mentoring. What's your official title? Right now, I'm an assistant counselor. She's an assistant counselor. 
Uh, she's up and coming and people should hire her because Harmony is not uh, the dopest place to work. <laughs> so uh, don't tell people at Harmony I said that. But uh, but but people should hire her because she's up and coming. But what advice do you have? Is there any shout outs that you want to give? Should people follow you anywhere? And and then beyond that, what advice do you have for the people in this room and the world at home who are dealing with death like we are or still processing and coping previous and future deaths? Um, well, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's poppy underscore Talia, T-H-A-L-I-A. You already know. Um, <laughs> but but um, for dealing with death, I think that this death for me, because I've experienced other losses too, was very different because it happened at a very low point in my life. Like I, I was it was very low. It was a very rough point for me. Um, and it was one of those things where like, it shattered my world because I was already like down here, you know? And I'm thinking like, it can't get worse than this. And then I lose somebody who was like a mother to me. Um, and I was, I was surprised with myself with the way that I handled it because in the past I've, let things destroy me and get me down and let things spiral um but with this it was it was so different because on one hand yeah I wanted to just let it take over me because that's easier almost it's easier to just sit in it and not deal with it and just feel bad but something about this death was so different for me um and I was at such a low point where there was no place I could go but up. Um, and I really just let who she was as a person inspire me to do better because she was so strong. Um, and I can only aspire to be a tenth as strong of the woman that she was. I was at a crossroads too. And, but that's especially why I wanted grandma here with me as I move into this new as I shed skin again and grow anew, what, what, uh, what's one thing that we should all consider when coping moving forward? Um, one, catch things early. Like if you sense yourself getting to a certain point, walk away, do whatever you have to do because once, at least for me, I know for myself, once I reach a certain point, there's no coming back from that. I'm going to cope however I'm going to cope with that. And it's just going to happen. There's not going to be any thought process behind it. Um, so one, just knowing yourself, knowing your emotions and when you're starting to get worked up or feeling a certain type of way. And then also just like, just trying different coping mechanisms. I was so close-minded to so when people used to tell me to breathe, I swear to God, I wanted to kill them. Yeah, it's like, a, just breathe. It sounds stupid, like, right? We, we breathe all the time. Yeah, Obviously, like, I'm breathing I or else I'd be dead. Like, right. Leave me alone, you know? Um, and it really took me, like, getting that shit out of my head and being like, all right, like, I need to listen to somebody because clearly listening to myself isn't working. Right. Um, and just giving it a shot. And now I love breathing. so uh one last one last thing really quick uh you talked about sometimes you spiral when you get in your own head Mm -hmm. somebody else mentioned that last week i know that's true for me uh and true for others 
Some of us have already figured it out. We're going to talk to friends. How do you get out of that spiral? Um, it's tough. It really is tough. Um, a lot of it for me, a good way for me to get out of that kind of situation is I can't get myself to do something big. So even if it's just like, all right, you're going to get up and just make your bed. Like at least I've done something to kind of start the process. Yep of me feeling a little better, even if it's something small and stupid. Like I'm going to pick up that piece of trash that's on the floor. That's momentum. That's going from inactive to active, mm -hmm. even if it's a small thing. Talia, thank you so much for being here. Steampunks from Central Falls. This has been Joyful Rebellion, episode three. Please say peace out to the world. Bye. Peace out.